0: Everybody and welcome to an all new bonus episode of the chat. Tonight we are here to discuss the 2023 SAG after a union strike. But before we dive into everything, let's say hello to our one co-host, <laughs> Alan. How are you?
1: I'm good. This is so fucking rare to just the two of us. The only other time this happened is the Wiser Washam interview like
0: <laughs> two years ago. <laughs> Like I said, before we jumped on here, I guess it was just meant to be. And I guess we're the super couple of the chat. That's just how it goes. We can't help it. (laughs) (laughs) It takes. Well, I mean, here we are. The contract talks failed and SAG started picketing alongside WGA members this past week who are also on strike. And that strike is approaching its 80th day. So this has forced almost a whole entire Hollywood shutdown, except for soap opera actors, because soap opera actors shoot on what's called a net code agreement or the network code agreement for a longer term. So, Alan, what are kind of like your initial thoughts? I know Fran Drescher gave a very passionate speech as the union president she also said that somebody like Bob Iger should be locked up and never allowed to speak to the press again because he's making triple people's salary at the highest rate of actors. But he's telling people that, oh, it's hard out there and whatever. So what are your just initial thoughts of the strike?
1: I remember there was a deadline article last week where uh, Nate Swartz said they were waiting for the writers to just lose their fucking houses. That's fucking evil. And these people are already used to being broke because the streaming model is pretty much broken to business even for writers and actors as well because they do less episodes. The residuals aren't there anymore. Tomiko Glenn got $27.30 in residuals for Orange the New We're doing multiple. She's like in a lot of the episodes on the show. $27.30. You can make more. Delivering pizza in an hour and twenty-seven dollars 03 thirty cents—it's stupid.
0: And I was actually gonna bring um, her up too because that's like what my mind first went to. And I also saw a post from one of my actor friends that was saying just to qualify for insurance as a SAG actor, you have to make like twenty-five thousand dollars a year. And people are like, oh, that's nothing. You can go and make that 25000 That's easy. These are people who do this as a career, but have no guarantee of something. So they might get one job and then that's it for six months. Or they might just do background work. That's it. I have a mutual follower on Twitter who was like, yeah, I got my SAG card on One Life to Live and I played a bartender. Do you think he made $25,000 from playing a bartender on One Life to Live? I mean, this is insane. And then also a crazy part of this whole entire SAG strike is AI. So there was a report put out that studios wanted to implement AI on a very major scale by using an actor's likeness for background work. Um, completely cutting out the need to afford somebody um, or negotiate somebody's contract when the studio executives making these decisions are multi-millionaires, and some of them even billionaires. So, Alan, what do you also think of, like, the AI portion of all of it?
1: Just getting a $100, scans or likeness, and using it in perpetuity, basically eliminating their jobs, so you can just have... And AI background extra and just not pay anyone ever again that's fucking obscene and evil I don't know why they thought this was fucking going to fly with people $100 for your likeness forever and other actors are talking about getting scanned and not even getting told about what, what it was for and then even negotiating with them I watch this on other shows or like Disney projects it's, you can't do lists. And on the writing side, uh, you know they're probably going to start tra- trying to use AI for fucking writing scripts and shit like that. And I don't think you can replicate with AI the level of talent you need to write a hit show. AI is not going to write fucking Adderall Elementary. AI is not going to write Bill Bell's, and basically AI is basically plagiarism anyway, because you're just feeding in other people's work in the lair. To write this work so it's basically just plagiarism technology
0: exactly and um alan you know and many of our listeners know that i have um three scripted podcasts on the air um and i'm writing with my team over 2500 pages of dialogue a year and i know that the quality i expect on my shows it's like i know that my script writers i know ai cannot equal that i work with some fabulous writers and ai is just it's not there yet and studios would not know how to use it i was reading an article the other day about mission impossible the new mission impossible movie they wanted to open with a tom cruise sequence And they thought about de-aging him back to 1989 for the sequence because it was like a flashback or something. And the director was like, no, it's too distracting to the story. So if Mission Impossible, a billion-dollar franchise, couldn't figure that out, then I assure you that studio executives with TV shows would not be able to figure that out for background actors. It would be too distracting. You would be able to notice it at some point. Notice
1: the de-aging effects. It kind of looks as a kind of
0: uncanny valley effect where it looks weird. It does. Yes, it looks freaking weird. It's strange. And then, like, you know, you look at Tom Cruise and they de-age him, but then he still has Tom Cruise's present day body. Tom Cruise doesn't look really the same as he did in 1989. He's got similar features, but it's like that would just be way too distracting in the movie theater. I can see it now.
1: Apparently, he was in the new Indiana Jones film. They DH him, but he, they didn't DH his voice or anything. So he has 80 year old Harrison Ford's voice with him when he's like 35.
0: See, that's weird, but. You know, they think that technology is ready to go in every movie, every TV show, and it's not. And like you said, it can't replicate what really goes into the passion of a project, especially on the writing side of things. That's one huge thing. Um, Alan, you had also brought up residuals, and this comes from the Washington Post. Quote, Kendrick Sampson, an actor best known for his recurring guest role on HBO's Insecure, shared a post on Instagram detailing a recent time when he received residual checks from television and film projects. From a stack of 56 checks, Sampson wrote he received a total of $86 for his work. $86 among 56 checks. I'm so in shock. By that, um especially because you brought up the check from The Oranges the New Black actor who only received twenty seven dollars, so Alan, how does it feel to you knowing that those actors receive that kind of money for these enormous hit shows? I mean, insecure is about to go to Netflix, and here we are, a guest actor has fifty six checks in their hands, and it totals eighty six dollars. It's crazy because.
1: The business used to be more profitable. But they, they all just went to this less profitable business form of streaming because people used to make bank on residuals because people were Fran is still making money off the fucking Nanny that went for like what, like six or seven seasons? Yeah, and, I
0: believe six, yeah.
1: And so living single actors still getting those originals but now with streaming they went like to a less profitable business model People are fucking broke now. They broke the fucking business. His old business model was: this oh, you, that the ads you get money from the commercials, and we're going to reruns on all these channels. People get a bank off the residuals from those reruns. Now that doesn't really happen. You do your show last seven seasons, you're going to be that much money.
0: Yeah, because it always used to be like shows would always used to want to run 100 episodes. That was the thing you needed to do like 88 to 100 episodes for syndication. And we have shows in syndication, like you mentioned, Alan, that still pay like very well because they operate on the old model because the shows are old enough. Um, Like Friends, for example, Friends has been (laughs) rerun on every channel every streaming platform everything but you know a show like insecure going from hbo max streaming as syndication quote to netflix that's going to stop a lot of processes and people think all the time oh these actors haven't made they're on tv they're great and it's like no not really because All the money that also goes in behind the scenes. Let's say you're like a Quinta Brunson who's got the biggest sitcom on television right now. She has to pay agents, managers, publicists. She has to pay all these different type of people to kind of make her life work better because she's on this hit show. And when you're on a hit show, you can't just fly solo by yourself making all these big item decisions. So I feel a lot of people don't understand what's really at stake here just because they feel as though those actors are fine. They don't struggle. They don't worry about money. And, yeah, there are a few of those actors who don't need to worry about money, but they are very far and few between.
1: Yeah, this is everyday actors who just guests are a lot on shows. The people you see on NCIS and the Chicago shows, those people are working class actors. Who don't have mansions, they don't have fancy things. They're just looking for jobs and work. They don't have secure work. They're basically bag of bounds who have to search for work every year, and maybe have to take up side hustles like for, for Uber or delivering pizzas because they need to pay their bills.
0: Exactly. It's not like it's um. Glamorous world. I mean, these people go to work. It is their job. Um, coming off of what Nancy Lee Gron from ABC's General Hospital tweeted: "Quote: There are 160,000 union actors." Actors you know by name are maybe 300 million dollar actors or maybe 200. It takes a big frickin village of actors to make a film and the village you see in film and TV don't make a living wage. The strike is for them, not effing Tom Cruise. She's right. There are people who literally can't feed their families, but this is their career choice because they want to make it. And they love the business they're in, but yet this business doesn't pay them enough at all, whether your background or whether you're a soap opera actor, um, which speaking of which, for those who don't know, we discussed. Well, we briefly mentioned the net code agreement that soap opera actors are under. Alan has filled us in about it before, but let's discuss soap opera actors. Uh, People magazine put out an article. um, And it was quite interesting detailing the national code of fair practice for network television broadcasting, because soap operas are under it, game shows are under it, talk shows are under it. So it's basically non-scripted talent and scripted talent when it comes to soaps. So Alan, what do you make of the soaps? Having to still report to work when it comes to actors, and now we're starting to see strike material pop up.
1: On one hand, it's good because work stoppage would be contra- catastrophic for shows because they're the type of business that needs to be on five days a week, and it, if they stop airing new episodes, it would be big trouble. But on the other hand, it's kind of stressful for actors because they're kind of—I know they probably feel like they're feel kind of less than because they have to go into work or your union's on strike. And you're paying full union dues as much as everyone else is, and you have to go to work. That's pretty shitty. As far as the scab material, mm, as far as the Bowl of Beautiful right now, the scab material is actually pretty good, Good, even though it's probably still from Brad Brown's long story. This is Michael Menace's is the 5 rider writer right now? It's still, it's still good. So hopefully, I'll continue and the scripts will be strong. But I do not know about General Hospital. I do not know if they have Gary Tomlin working on those being the 5 rider writer right now or who they're about to run out of scripts. I know Frank planned out in advance, him and Chris and Dan, they all had scripts that stockpile, but they're about to run out of that stockpile and let it's going to be scab time. who knows what's going to happen over there. <laughs> and we have Sherry Anderson at Days, and she's a good writer. She's probably the best possible person to be able show during strike. So hopefully next year when we see her striking show, it's good, because Days kind of sucked right now.
0: I'm I'm waiting with bated breath for but... Sherry Anderson next year. <laughs> <laughs> Even um... if it's
1: Ron's Lots, story, it probably should be better execution.
0: Well, yeah, because she's been in the business so long, she's been at Days of Our Lives on and off for so long, that I feel as though she'll take one look at that long story, maybe the wheels will start turning of how to present it better on screen. Because execution is everything, of course, with daytime soaps especially. And so I think she'll take one look at the long story document and probably get some good ideas of how to churn it out a little bit more smoothly.
1: Because Ron's is usually going to be clunky. When Ron is good, he's good. But when he's bad, he's bad.
0: (laughs) Oh, Lord. Well, let's discuss a fee for sag because that's been bothering me, too. It's something you brought up is soap actors have to pay just as much as primetime actors. And I don't think people quite think about that as well. But meanwhile... Primetime actors can sometimes make double and triple a soap actor's salary, truly. Um, and soap actors are continued to ask for pay cuts year after year. So the initi- the national initiation fee for sag if you want in there, is currently $3,000. Annual base dues are $231.96. In addition, work dues are calculated at 1.575% of covered earnings up to one million dollars. This is a lot of money just to get in, and again, it might be lower in some states. But just to get in, you've got to pay three thousand dollars of an initiation fee. I'm thinking of, you know, all of those newer soap actors, like let's say if Lindsay Arnold, when she came on Days of Our Lives, didn't have her SAG card. And you're asking her to probably pay an initiation fee of what she's made over the course of two episodes of work because we know that they don't pay those newcomers a whole lot of money. So, Alan, what do you think of something like the initiation fee being so high?
1: It is kind of bullshit because so new actors on a- new contracts for soaps pay a $1,000 to $200, like $1,000 to 200 Dollars an episode, $2,00 an episode. So they had to pay out the ass for fucking SAG after, and now they can't even strike. It's kind of bullshit.
0: It is because even like, you know, the legends of soaps, they're making probably enough money for their lifestyles, especially if they've been on their show a long time, then they were there for the heyday of salaries you know, your Susan Lucci's making a million dollars a year just from all my children or something like that. But the business model has really changed. And, you know, my mind is going to somebody like an Allison Lanier on The Young and the Restless, um, even a Michael Mueller on The Young and the Restless. Sure, he's been there a few years now, but he's coming in where the salaries are not so great. It's really just about the fact that the work is very, very steady on daytime soap opera. And he just so happens to play a leading character who's on about three to four days a week. Um, but it's all about luck, really. I mean, yes, yeah, soaps are consistently a paycheck, but you have to get lucky with who you play and who the writer commits to you. So that's really another problem I have is people thinking, oh, soaps are on every day. Here this person is, show." you know, three to four days a week, but that could all change in an instant. Whether the actor wants it to or not, they have no control over that.
1: Yeah, in fact, the dealer probably makes, what, like $2,000 an episode, because he probably needs more than the initial newbie fee, but he's not making that much money.
0: Yeah, no, not at all. Well, something that came out today via deadline was that SAG is beginning to grant waivers to indie productions um, with these kind of short-term agreements. So, Alan, what do you think of some indie productions being able to continue with these temporary contracts? And do you think it's a good idea to offer that?
1: No, they didn't wait. I don't think SAG is in it last that long, because it's untenable for these studios to not go for actors for months and months, like they, like they have the writers. Something's gotta give, because we have the fall movies coming up, the fall festivals, they're not gonna want to have actors on strike indefinitely. I think the strike is gonna end by September at the fucking latest. I've not seen, even though the studio's assholes, once those quarterly reports come in, and they have to answer the fucking stockholders, and stuff like the board, they're in a cave.
0: And they're going to have to because, you know, some pr- this puts some pretty big projects on hold. And, you know, ABC, for example, let's just start with TV shows. The cornerstone of ABC's fall lineups is Abbott Elementary, Station 19, and Grey's Anatomy. If they don't have those shows ready for the fall, that's going to cause absolute havoc at that network because it's about shareholders. It's about money and time poured into these projects and they can't live off of, you know, like dancing with the star reruns forever. They're really going to have to figure something out. Um, And then of course, movies, Alan, you brought up all of the film festivals. Um, Also, they've got the next mission impossible movie on hold. Now, um, production has halted on wicked there's a lot to consider here
1: And definitely
0: yeah so literally what studios are expecting to put money in the ceo's pockets and the executives pockets it ain't gonna happen right now but yet they also need to wake up and smell the coffee so to speak on that it's not happening because they're not paying people enough money and they're not protecting them I think you know yeah the battle to pay enough money is one thing but also protection is another we've discussed AI Um, another thing that's going on is just the amount of work an actor has to put into things Um, you know these 14 and 15 hour days it's ridiculous yeah
1: that goes for the production crew the gaffers and camera operators and all them, they have to do that too
0: exactly and you know they're lifting all that heavy equipment all day long they're resetting everything at night they're some of them are pulling 24 hour days to get everything set up so this is just really if the actors are going on strike they're going on strike for a large amount of people and not just themselves Which is very important to note as well, because the actors going on strike is also there to protect all of the crew members as well. So, Alan, going forward, you've mentioned that this probably won't last very long. And I agree with you because it's going to hold up a lot of stuff. But what do you think? Fall television. We'll start with television. What do you think fall television will look like? Do you think it's going to be a shit show?
1: Yeah, it's just going to suck ass.
0: And then who do you, what do you think the networks are going to do? I mean, this is really an unprecedented time for them.
1: Well, there's going to be stuff like Dancing with the Stars, and Big Brother, or stuff like that, and purchase overseas shows that already film. There's going to be like, that jesus show on the cw Since so we have to see jesus
0: <laughs> why'd you say it like that <laughs> jesus oh look and i said jesus unintentionally um it, it reminds- jesus 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 why does this mean
1: jesus <laughs> jesus
0: It reminds me a little bit of like the COVID times, you know, when networks were just starting to open things back up and they were like, look, we can do these projects again. It's just, we're going to have to have mountains of guidelines and social distancing to keep everybody safe. But I remember like NBC was purchasing a lot of Canadian shows at that time uh, because they had nothing else to air. Um, But what's great is I'm so happy, though, that the soaps won't be impacted here, because remember how long it took for them to build up their audiences again after the pandemic? I mean, we saw like B&B returns its first week, and it's at a 1.5. And now here we are all this time later, and it's back in the 2.8, 3.0 range. But it took like two years to build that audience back up. and to no fault of really the show it's just once you break a habit it gets truly broken um so i'm really happy that the soaps won't be impacted now alan looking on the film side of things what do you think is going to happen to the film industry
1: they're probably going to delay some films because deadpool 3 is probably going to have to get delayed because they had to stop working I don't. Was Wicked filming back to back the part one, part two? Yeah. I mean, part one probably won't be delayed because they probably already got part one filmed. But yeah, this is going to be a mess. And, and this fucking asshole was extended the delayed to negotiate, especially actually we're going to have the rears for Oppenheimer and Barbie. Not in good faith. That's shitty.
0: <laughs> oh, gee! you yeah, see, I'm really worried about like the film industry a little bit more because, like the television universe inside of things was kind of predictable. I mean they're gonna put on a ton of reruns, they're gonna put on the reality shows and really amp those up. But yeah, with the movies, it's kind of tricky because they're gonna have to postpone a lot of things. What I see. Probably at movie theaters is maybe like a lot of special events, maybe some re-releases for anniversaries or lookbacks or whatever, Um, because I had a movie theater where I live do that for COVID as well. So I think we're basically just looking at COVID times again (laughs) with soaps once again leading the charge on everything and not getting the credit, as we know. Because soap opera stars aren't even invited to the SAG After Awards, which is so weird.
1: <laughs> yeah, you need to throw on who wants to date a pig farmer and people will watch it. Well, two million people will probably watch it, but film's kind of fucked.
0: Yeah. Truly. Well, Alan, any final thoughts on the SAG After Strike?
1: You'll need to pay their fucking money. Because Desmond Chiron said on Twitter that he got $2,000 for a non-speaking role on Bones and like triple Latin residuals and he can't even get a, like a fraction of Latin in residuals for a streaming project. And he's done a few streaming projects. That's fucking bullshit. Pay these people, pay the writers, and stop the fucking bullshit.
0: <laughs> I like that, Alan. Stop the fucking bullshit. <laughs> I, um totally agree and i'm so glad that so many hollywood heavyweights like matt damon and susan sarandon for example are speaking up about these unprecedented times because it all starts at the top and i feel as though if you have a really passionate top tier it's going to create like a trickle down effect so i urge all the big wigs to keep talking to keep speaking out um And, you know, talk about the past as well. Talk about how the past has navigated to the present. Yeah, the last actor strike was like, what, in 1959? However, it all connects somehow. And all those people who have been in the industry a very long time, they know how we got here and they know why we're here. Uh, Same with the writers. You know, Sally Sussman, she had a sign one day on the picket lines that detailed something like she's been through like seven writer strike, and that's great. People are going to turn to people who have been in the business a long time, look for them for advice, and I'm hoping those people will give advice to everybody and continue to speak out for everybody. Well, Alan, where can our listeners find you on Twitter?
1: You find me explaining G H P to Washington, Al Srava.
0: Wonderful, and you can find me. Uh, underscore case 1999 I'm just tweeting about random shit all the time doing a lot of soap watches to keep me company when I'm bored and you can also find our show on Twitter at the chat underscore podcast you can find us on Facebook at the chat show podcast we will have a new episode this Wednesday it's a top five so stay tuned and there will be a much fuller panel
1: (laughs) bye uh